Hello, welcome back to the third edition of the Restorer Planet podcast with me, your host, Jack Cole. Today, I'm joined by Chinedo Mogbo, who is a conservationist working out on Lagos with his organization, the Green Fingers Initiative. Today, we'll be talking about bushmeat, legal trade in animals and ivory, uh, amongst others, the plight of the pangolin, uh, what to be done about it, how Nigeria is changing and adapting to a growing economy and uh, population, and much, much more. So if you enjoy this conversation, please follow us on restoreourplanet.org, where you can also make a donation, or you can see us and our daily work through daily updates from LinkedIn, Facebook, and one more, Twitter, that's the one. All right, so thank you. Thank you for joining me, and I hope you enjoy the conversation. Okay, so welcome everybody and everyone listening. I'm here with Chinedo Mogbo, and today we're going to talk about a variety of topics related to uh, legal wildlife trade um, in Nigeria, across the world, some of the great work he's been doing. So Chinedo, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. And, uh, no, it's wonderful to have you. So you have a very interesting background. Um, and great education and, and so forth. But you've your main work at the moment, as I understand it, is working for the Green Fingers Initiative. Yes, it is. Yeah, so could you tell us a little bit about that? Okay, um, Green Fingers in itself is um, it's a wildlife um, conservation initiative that was set up in 2012, um, which basically is focused on wildlife conservation, um, rescue, rehabilitation, and education of the Nigerian populace um, about the issues of wildlife here in Nigeria, the problems wildlife face, face and why we need to conserve wildlife here in, um, in, our, in Nigeria. We also, um, in the same vein, we also have a sanctuary that runs and caters for right now at the moment over 150 different animals, um, ranging from 60 different species um, within the sanctuary. Now, these are animals that have basically been through quite a lot. They've, um, they've had, um, issues with humans, they have been rescued from the wildlife trade. And sometimes it's quite difficult to uh, rehome these animals. So they stay within the Green Fingers Wildlife Sanctuary um, till we basically um, get, um, till we basically get a suitable place for them to stay. But one of the major things, then the Green Fingers also, um, so within the same vein of the educational space, we also train a lot of youths um, teenagers, um, children about wildlife conservation and becoming advocates for wildlife here also in Nigeria because we know it's a major problem in Nigeria and we um, are really the, we really have to owe it up to the next generation to make sure that we, we do something to ensure the longevity of wildlife in Nigeria. So that's what Green Fingers is basically. Fantastic, brilliant. So uh, you mentioned that obviously you look after and rehabilitate quite a number of species there. One of the really uh, iconic ones that you look after is the pangolins. Um, I was wondering if you could just tell our listeners a little bit about the pangolin and the, you know, the issues it's facing in uh, Nigeria. Okay, um, well, it's, 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 a, it's quite a problem um, um, and it's a major one. Now, um, Nigeria is now known as one of the major centers for um, illegal pangolin trafficking. Now, um, even if most of the pangolin don't even come from Nigeria, um, Nigeria now is a transit hub, which basically means from all parts of Africa, they come to Nigeria, then from that, Nigeria is like a, depo de um, a depot uh, where 
most of the pangolin scales will, will be deposited before they are now moved to the Asian countries like Vietnam and um, other parts of uh, the Asian countries. Now it's a, it's a, so that is the, when it comes, that's the front of the international wildlife um, trade of pangolin scales. Now when we talk about the local, um, the local problems, now pangolins have actually, in fact, as far as I can remember, um, since the inception of, uh, since breeding started. Now the pangolin was not quite a popular, um, was not popular in the media as at that time. Um, and we used to see the pangolins, a lot of them in the Bushmen market. We were also even a bit um, skeptical, like what kind of animal is this? We were not really sure about the information um, surrounding the animal. It was quite a difficult animal to also rehabilitate. Um, but, and over the years now, two years ago and up till today, the numbers now we, we get to see have been dwindling. Like it still happens. They still, pangolins are still being sold for bushmeat, for, um, you go in the, for people who want to consume them. Uh, people want to use them for, for some form of medicinal um, purposes or, uh, one, um, or the other. And it still happens even as of today. Um, so when we look at these issues, when we look at this problem, we know that we, we just had to take swift action. We had to start learning how to um, rehabilitate them. We had to know how to give them that care. They're quite a, um, quite a difficult one to also care for um, because of their unique um, diet, but I'll, I'll, I'll get to that shortly. But so dealing with all these things really puts Nigeria on that um, perspective. Now, a lot of Nigerians, and I'm, I'm Jack, I, I'm not kidding you, any Nigerian, I, almost anybody I meet first, and I ask them, okay, what is this animal? What do you think this animal is? They have no clue. Some call it rats, some call it armadillo. Armadillo is not found anywhere in Africa, basically. So um, they call it, um, because it's what they've only seen on TV, it's what they've seen on the news. And you wonder why it's, it's really the least considered, like it's, 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 but it's huge in the international space, like in international trade. Now, it's, these are the challenges and these are the problems pangolins face. One other thing about the pangolin is that because it's an, it's an animal that doesn't really have, I mean, when it comes to other animals, um, they have a very good defense mechanism. I mean, they, they roll up into a ball. Even lions find it difficult to get through, get, get to them. But for humans, there is no defense for that. So Basically, what happens, we see that they, once they see, once they spot the pangolin, it rolls up into a ball and they get picked up. So they get picked up and they're brought over to, to be sold for, for meat um, or for, and sometimes it, it's, it's quite gruesome. We get to witness some of the things these pangolins basically go through and it's, it's, quite, it's quite a challenge and it's quite problematic because we, we know here in Nigeria that if we er totally eradicate this species, which we believe, we don't even know the numbers, I can be very, we don't even know the numbers we have left. We don't know whether they're critically endangered. Um, definitely they've been, they've disappeared from some um, regions now locally. And it, it, the problem will only keep mounting as we have um, huge amounts of deforestation taking place, um, habit, the, uh, habitat encroachment. The pangolin is actually being worn um, out to, it's almost been, um, extinct locally from, from Nigeria. And these are the things that um, we try to, as much as possible, um, educate people about. Also, um, even beside the fact that most of the pangolins here in Nigeria don't get part of the, uh, are not part of the international wildlife trade. 
we actually have begun to see that they are they are now evidences that are coming out that our pangolins also are being um, stacked on a daily basis. Um, for example, um, we are we are seeing that that daily um, people are just some set of people are picking up six. Like they can pick up six pangolins today, tomorrow they pick up another seven, tomorrow they pick up. Now, over the course of a month, you can imagine how much um, pangolins they can actually collect. And um, these pangolins now are being one way or the other shipped out of the country um, and to uh, um, um, other spaces. Now, as a country in Nigeria, we, we know, um, I mean, we know some of our problems, we know some of our challenges. And um, one of the major challenges we face as a country is um, corruption. I think that is best plainly put that way. Um, so, because there's a lot of money involved um, in this, um, they, they buy out the officials so that um, these things can just basically go through without any form of uh, resistance. Now, that you think that's going to stop there? Even the seizures, I'm sure if you've seen the news, there's been loads of seizures of Pangali scales from Nigeria. There was one in 2018. There was one in 2019. In 2020, there was another one. In 2021, there has been two. But do you know, we cannot still attest to the whereabouts of these scales that have basically been seized. And these are the problems, the lack of transparency are the problems that these wildlife um, and the issue of pangolins, these are problems wildlife basically face in, in the country and with the lack of education. I mean, I, I, as I, I actually do teach here also in Nigeria, I teach in a school. Now, within the curriculum, there is nowhere, there is nowhere a pangolin is mentioned for um, the concept. There's nowhere a pangolin is mentioned. So a child can go through nine years of education here, may never hear of one of these major species, which basically are being threatened here in Nigeria, which we also see as a major problem. And now I'm talking about the federal curriculum, like the general curriculum for the whole, for the whole of Nigeria. And these are the problems which we see, and we, 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 we just, we can't help it, but get into that space and begin to do something to, to, to curb the task. You found your interest in wildlife quite a young age, uh, about 10 years old. Yeah. Um, but you, you said that you were discouraged um, from sort of pursuing that interest. And you yes. just, yes. And you just yeah, yes. and you, yeah, and you just mentioned there that there's like a kind of widespread lack of awareness, lack of education, perhaps lack of interest in Nigerian curriculum or society. Uh, obviously not everywhere, but uh, it's a large problem. Yeah. I just wondered why, why that is. Okay, um, personally, if I, if I were to use my experiences as, an, I mean, I, I didn't know why I liked wildlife, um, why I liked animals as, at the age of 10, but I just always found myself with them. I would, I would get ants in a jar, I would like just watch them sit down there, I'd have um, birds just running around. I'm just sitting out there every day. I would leave the video games and I'll be watching the birds. I just want to just see them and just be there with them. But why I was discouraged because well, there was nobody that really encouraged my desire. Like I, the zoos were basically not even in, I would say not in existence at that time. You go there, you see the way the animals are kept. You see the way the animals are being treated, even up till today. But um, everything around the society that you see i'm on the streets um you see them putting animals in cages they're just selling them on the on the roads i mean as a person as a child then i didn't really think too much i would just see them and be sad but and i would always want to take them home 
in as much as nobody, my parents wouldn't, wouldn't have allowed that because they were like, no, I don't want that in my house. You're not getting that in my house. You know, that's not coming to my house. Uh, sometimes even when I have to get to school, then because my school was in a close to a forest, um, I would see like stray animals or stray cats, for example, no parents, I would bring it home. They'll be like, it's not going to stay in my house. So you see all these things were more or less, I mean, even the fact I was in school, there was no, I think, except the study of agriculture, which basically um, teaches about farm animals and stuff, which is what, what I even discovered myself loving even, even the most, as, uh, uh, even the most. But in a, in a whole nutshell, there was really nothing that really encouraged that or fanned the flame. And while I was in university, especially in the UK, I remember every break I had, every time of school, I'll enter, get a pet store, or enter, go to the zoo in one city or the other. In fact, I had to visit every zoo around. I just wanted to be there. And that was, that gave me, seeing, seeing everyone there, seeing the way the animals were being treated, that gave me kind of like a, a hope. It's kind of there was a silver lining that something can be done. This is good. This is, this is what is needed. This is what is required for, for this, how animals should be. And this is how we can also encourage people young people, children who love this to actually grow in it if you have something very sustainable. Now, when I came back um, and when I was in, in doing my work, because of this, I saw these gaps in my time. Then you think about if over a span of 10, 15 years, those gaps are still there. We felt, you know what, we wouldn't, we wouldn't let this happen. I would have, I, it's my responsibility, I take it as a responsibility for the next generation to do, to, to do something for them. So that I now see children, young people, who, who, who have that kind of thing, now feeling happy, they're expressing themselves, they're interested. They see a space where they can come and want to um, be one with nature. And for us, and for me, that alone gives me that, that's, it's, it's a joyous moment for me because that is the, the thing that I was discouraged about. But now seeing other children and encouraging other people is basically what now I am standing for. And um, I hope it will even go, um, take it, um, go even further. And that's basically it. Fantastic. Brilliant. Um, yeah, also, I want to ask you, so this is from a position of ignorance, um, bush, bush meat markets. Now, obviously, different countries, people eat different things, different histories, different species. In the UK, we're very much climatized eating obviously chicken beef etc um in nigeria in the bushmeat markets is this in one sense not a case of people just eating the local species that they have access to or how is how is it sort of more problematic than that now um when, when we talk about the bushmeat market here and um, it, it's 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 problematic because there is no limit I mean, you can get there, you can see the head of the line, if possible. You can get there, you can see. Sorry, we just lost you the connection for just a second. You were saying that if you go there, you can literally see lion's heads. Okay, um, okay. so we can, if, you go, if you get to the, um, the market, you can, see, you can see a lion's head. You can see a gorilla's head. You can see chimpanzees, the hands and the foot of chimpanzees. We basically, and these animals are rare. I mean, these are animals. Uh, these animals are endemic, which basically means some of them are only found here in Nigeria. Which basically, is once they are gone, once we've eaten them all, the animal will be extinct. And it's it's quite weird to think about eating an animal to extinction. Like 
without no cost for sustainability. Now, um, so we, but the problem, we also see that we, we, when we initially started, we, we, we were always against it. We said, no, no, don't like, but the whole Nigerian populace as a result of tradition, culture, they were like, oh no, um, we eat bushmeat is part of our culture. You cannot tell us not to do that. We said, okay, no problem. Let us see. Let's see how um, let's see, let's see how things can change. Can you leave out the endangered species? So leave out the endangered species. There are some species that are less uh, say least concern. Um, I mean, there are so many reasons why people want to eat this meat, but there are a lot of species that are least concerned. And okay, you can go for that, but leave out the endangered species, but there's no regulation, there's no control, and that is the major problem. Now it happens, and this happens like I mean. You would think, and I have to say this, during the COVID, right, when the whole world was in lockdown, wet markets in Nigeria were still open. You know, Nigerians, we, we, they didn't have them. They were like, no, we've been doing this. COVID didn't come here. didn't start from this market. You cannot tell us it's COVID that did that. Mm. And these markets have been in existence for, for over decades, three decades now, if I'm, if I'm, not, if I'm not safe, um, if not over. So it's a problem, and we need to do something about it. Okay, if you don't want to close it down, regulate it. Is what we keep telling the government. Is what we keep pushing um, for these policies. Things have to be done. Okay, um, we are an NGO. I mean, there's there's really little we can do. We 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 do not we cannot enforce certain things without the government um, uh, without the government's support or without the government's um, hand. Um, so we can only like make you aware that you can don't do this or stop this. And that's basically what we've been doing. We've been making people aware. We've been putting it out there, even within the bushmeat market. But nobody has told, before we even started, nobody had told them that pangolins were endangered. Nobody had told them that vultures shouldn't be killed. I mean, these things are happening. And we are seeing already a result of um, those actions. Now, we, you, you talked about bush, bushmeat market. Yeah, that is for the local consumption. There is another market that they, that's animal. It's another kind of wildlife market, which is called the traditional market. Now, these kinds of markets, these animals are being dried. Now, it could be whole animals, but they are being dried because they are being used for some form of fetish um, purposes or some traditional voodoo stuff, whatever the thing they, um, they, they're getting out of it. You know, and, and those markets basically also exist. And these are big markets, and I mean big markets that are just out there, not in, not, not in the dark, and they have everything. I've had the opportunity to visit these markets and I've seen, man, I've seen the heads of, and I've seen the heads of um, gorillas, the heads of chimpanzees, the hands, so they, 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 they go for, for this, they go for specific parts. For vultures, they will go for the head um, and the foot of vultures, every kind of vulture is, 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 is basically game. Um, the claws of leopards, um, the teeth of a lion, the bone of an elephant, and I mean, there is no, no, no there, is, there is no limit, and that is the problem we have. And is that those markets still tied to the international market, or is that more local, or is it like Westerners who come in and hunt? Who's the who's the uh, those markets? Who do they cater for? Okay, for the for the web market, for the web market where the bushmeat market is actually it caters to everyone. It caters to both the local and the international folk. Um, because I do a lot of the time, and I have recorded many times, seeing like in the people from Asia coming, visiting these markets, buying the animals, buying the snakes, because 
to them is a delicacy. Some of them don't come. They send their Nigerian, um, um, maybe um, Nigerian keepers or Nigerian house um, people and stuff to go to those markets and get those animals for them. Then you have the local consumption, which basically any um, middle class man. And another thing, um, which is another thing I must clear, people always think that um, the whole idea of the bushman market is for is because of poverty or it's because of people are poor. But that's not the case because the people who buy these things are not the poor people. The poor people cannot afford bush meat. Okay, the poor people might kill them, might get the animals, but the poor people are not the ones eating the animals. You have the middle class and the upper class folk. Um, find you have those ones buying the animals. We have um, there was a recent case I put I put up um, of um, a crocodile, a dwarf crocodile that was being sold for over I'm saying over two two to five hundred dollars. Now it is not. Don't tell me it's it's um. It's 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 a it's a poor person that's going to afford that. It's well actually for the rich. So these are the things and these are the problems we have now. For the traditional market, it caters to all sorts. I mean, we have the local people definitely because uh, most of the Voodoo practice within Nigeria, people um, patronize these markets. Then people who come from other parts of the country, they go to some of these markets and buy things like ivory, because there are some places that they still do sell ivory. They buy the things like ivory or the skin of the, um, of the animals or, or the pelts of the animals, just basically because they found it being sold um, here in Nigeria. So it basically caters to everyone. Nigeria is a rapidly growing country um, in terms of uh, the economy. I think half the population is under 30, I think, something like that. Um, so it's set, it set to really grow and expand in the in the coming decades. However, this has obviously uh, brought about some conflicts with the natural environment. And I was wondering if you could speak a little bit about the sort of human uh, wildlife conflicts that are taking place on, in Nigeria. Yeah, so it's 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 on the rise, it's on the increase, and hopefully, um, I hope we can get past it. But let's see, let's see. Now, people, because of the lack of control. Now the lands here are not always owned by the government. Um, we have a lot of people, a lot of families, people saying that they own different parts of land. And these lands are, are forests, have grown into forests. Now, all it, all it takes is somebody's coming to say, oh, I would like to get that piece of land. And he gets the piece of land. No, almost no EIA is done. Environmental impact assessment is done. Even when it's done, most of the time, and certain animals that are buried, that are critically endangered are found there, this, it's swept under the carpet and basically they say, oh, no, just go, as far as the money is paid, go there and do what you have to do. Now, these things happen. Humans, then you have some of these animals still coming into the spaces of um, people. For example, they go, they can fill out a whole, um, a whole region of a, of a swamp forest, for example. Now, the crocodiles, the, the snakes, all these things, all these animals that are the forest cobras, the pythons, they, which have their homes there already, have to be are driven out, the fishes are buried, no evidence or whatever. And sometimes, so while the person is in his house, these animals wander back into that same space. Once the animal wanders back in there, it's either it's killed, it's either it's um, basically killed and somebody is eating them basically because of they, they, they have seen it. 
Um, then you have the because Nigeria now is is really growing in its agricultural space. Most of the um, the lands are basically now being used for for farming. Now it's there's been a, a law that basically went out recently that um, they, they need to establish um, ranches for cattle. Uh, that's 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 a whole new that's a whole separate thing. But in fact, that you have to establish ranches for cattle. Now to establish a ranch for cattle grazing, you have to cut down all the trees. You have to clear out the forest. And this is also it's a, it's a problem because we are setting up ranches for cattle, but we are not setting up wildlife conservation centers. We're not setting up these kind of uh, issues. Now, the human conflict, wildlife conflict is growing. I mean, recently we have issues of elephants coming into elephants, which are actually found around close to where I stay. Um, so you have people killing the elephants, or oh, that the elephants came and raided our farms, we came into our farms, and we had no choice but to shoot the elephant or kill the elephant. Lack, there's also lack of education there, because what do you need to do in things like this? What is the government's role in supporting this thing? I mean, our elephant population has reduced by 90, over 90% um, in the last decade. So these things are quite glaring to us, or quite uh, are there. But really, what are we doing about it? And that is the major problem. The human-wildlife conflict will continue. Let's not think as far as we encroach into their spaces, as well as far as we go into um, those regions um, where the animals are supposed to be safe because of poor planning and poor um, community development um, ideas, poor um, urban planning systems. Because of all that, the human-wildlife conflict will continue. And unfortunately, a lot of species have suffered um, as a result of um, as a result of that, you mentioned that you started uh, Green Fingers back in 2012. So, uh, so, so tell me a little bit about how you've grown over the years and how you've expanded, and some of the successes you had, and where you think uh, Green Fingers will be in five or ten years from now. Okay. Um, well, we started uh, back in 2012, so it was. Um, I can actually tell you. So I I said. I had I didn't have much money then. I, I just come back. Um, so there was a where I was working in a school. So there was a, there was a space close by, close to the school. I said, okay, um, since this this place looks um, abandoned, I would like to use this place. And if I approach the school, I'd like to use this place to do um, something which I feel will be a benefit um, to the students of the school. Um, so we started. Uh, we used um, wood. Um, we started. That was sort of making some kind of enclosures to help some animals and to cater for them. Um, even while we were doing that, we were having a lot of issues because um, within the same space, um, there were other kinds of animals that, would, that, that sometimes would come in there and disturb the animals we are trying to um, cater for. And um, but over the years, um, we have we have we've actually um, grown. We've become. Um, so from, we, we basically moved from dealing with birds. We started with birds first. Um, then we started getting um, other smaller mammals, started rescuing other smaller mammals. Then we started rescuing the reptiles, the bigger reptiles even. Um, and now we have over 60 different species um, of animals. Now, we do also have, um, we've made a lot of successes. Like this year alone, we've released about 21 pangolins into um, this space into natural protected spaces. Um, we're still in the process of rescuing more. 
um, with the aspect of um, rehabilitation. Those animals, like I said, the over 150 are still within our care and we are still, we still have to cater for them every day. I mean, the animals, um, but I'm, and I'm glad because when people come into the sanctuary and they see the animals and they can, they can attest that the animals are definitely well taken care of because um, they, they, they definitely look good and they are, there's always a progress. There's actually progress in, from where they were to where they, where, how they came in to where they are today. Um, but it's, it's, it's really not been an easy journey. It's been one of the most difficult one. I, um, when we started for the first six years, we didn't even get any sponsor whatsoever. Um, we were just, because I had to take up a job, like I was working in the school. So it was a job that basically um, catered for the animals. I mean, then we, we also had to run educational programs every year. We have one big one every year also that brings people far and wide to come and learn about these animals and what they do and the importance in the ecosystem and why we should con and conserve them. When I, I also tried getting the government to come into the space, but I, find my, I found myself having to pay the government for um, unnecessary, some unnecessary things. And I was wondering like, why do I have to do this? Like, I am the one, I'm the one like, do your job, you know? So, um, so we had to put that aside, but I still had to make sure that we did, whatever we did, it was just definitely something that we could actually sustain. Then um, for, this, for the, in the success, when it comes to the students, we've raised, we've raised, I mean, we've trained over 200 students. Um, they are still training more. Now these students are actually called change makers. Now these change makers is different from the regular students we, which we will teach. Now we, we bring these ones in and we educate them on issues of environment and wildlife and they become advocates themselves. They start talking about it. And um, a lot of them have gained, a few of them have actually gained recognition um, in different parts of the, in different parts of the, uh, of the country and outside the country also. So it's... Sorry, ladies and gentlemen, just a little technical issue. Sorry about that. Sorry. No about problem, Chile. No problem at all. I found out um, the call was coming in, so I just wanted to make sure that I, I dealt with it. All right. So, um, so the change makers have, uh, so they focus also on environment. For example, two years ago, the major issue we were facing globally was plastic pollution. Now, um, we, and we, we saw how the plastic pollution started, was at, it's affecting even marine life, which also is part of um, wildlife. Now, um, I must also say that besides, you would, you would think that Nigeria, or where well, most of the problem we're dealing, was dealing with the animals on, on land. But we also discovered that, you know, it extended beyond that. We started dealing with the, um, Nigerians started harvesting the animals from the oceans. And what am I talking about? Things like sea turtles. We have, we have sea turtles, people bringing them on land to sell them for food. We'll have to get them and rehabilitate them for a few days before we take them back into the, um, back into deeper, into the deeper oceans so that they basically don't they get away from the Nigerian shores. So we had to do these things so we, see, we saw how everything was basically coming together. The whole aspect of life on land for the sustainable development goals, life in water um, and a clean and healthy environment. We saw how all these things work in, uh, in, in tandem. So we started training these children on ensuring that they, they make up or they, they, they do, um, they, they raise their voices for, for, for wildlife here and for the environment in Nigeria. And, that over time has basically grown and we are really, really um, proud of some of the achievements they, they, they have made. 
Um, so with, with some of the things they do, they do things like fashion shows where they use plastic to create um, outfits that they go to malls and do some fashion shows in the malls with plastic, wearing plastic. So that, that has basically gone, um, we had a bit of international recognition on that earlier in the year, this year. So it's, 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 these are the things that um, and we, we, we've been able to, we've been successfully been able to do. I mean, there was a there was a there was a news that came out on ITV recent also earlier in the year that had to do with um, the local markets here in Nigeria, and it featured. I, I was in the I was in the, uh, the on, on that one also, and um, we were talking about um, at that moment we were capturing film, we we're capturing images, we we're capturing the people who were even coming to the market to buy these animals, and we saw that it ranged from both the local and the international. Um, international people also so these were the things we saw so these are um so we, we were really 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 and trying to make a push out the the word out the information out there that was a partnership with wild up life um we really wanted to put it out there so that people will know that these are the problems we face in nigeria and um we also wanted people to know that there's still a lot of work that needs to be done if we want to conserve um our species here in Nigeria, and um, we, we are also happy for the um, animals that we've released. Besides, I mean, besides the pangolins, we have vultures, um, vultures like lapid face vultures, which are the biggest vultures here in in in, in Africa. In Africa, uh, we have we still have them within our care because their locations are hundreds of miles away from us. So we have to actually, and it's they are, where they're supposed to be released right now. It's a terrorist zone within Nigeria, so it's quite. A difficult challenge it's a challenge for us to to to, to put them back into those spaces and uh, so we still have to cater for them and um so we've, we've had affiliations with a few pe uh, people who have come around and have seen what we are doing and they are quite impressed with the work we do and we are really putting it out there for more um i mean there's really no limit to what can be done and uh, what we can do um, about um, conserving wildlife here in nigeria Fantastic. So a bright future by the sounds of things, hopefully. Yeah. So, yeah. so for the, sorry, sorry I'm, I'm trying to miss, I missed out a question. So for the Go future, ahead. Go ahead. for yeah. the future, right. that's <laughs> the major thing really. Um, so where we, you know, I told you initially that um, I took a space near the school, right, um, to do this. Um, so we, we, we really want to move beyond this space. I mean, there are still parts of Nigeria that, um, or Lagos, even where, where I am located, that are still untapped. The forests are still um, still there. Um, we are seeking to acquire some of these spaces to ensure that we give, um, like for example, we, we talked about the pangolin, we have to put them in some areas, in some protected areas. Um, but we also want to create um, bigger um, pangolin um, protection sites, or pangolin um, rehabilitation sites within this space. So we want to own some of these um, spaces so that we know and we can follow through over the years, um, or over, the, over time, how these pangolins are basically faring. Um, then we can also, we also have more room to rescue more. I mean, there are some animals, unfortunately, we've had to turn down that we couldn't take them up because we couldn't have the space. We didn't have the space to basically um, cater for them. And I'm talking about things like um, issues of like lions, hyenas, um, even these animals are also being um, threatened here in, Niger in Nigeria, but 
we've not been able to take most of them in because of the space we, uh, we basically locate. So in the future, we are looking to acquire a bigger space or bigger spaces where um, we can actually cater for more. Um, and it will also serve as a good um, educational facility to, for people all across the country and even beyond the country where they can learn about wildlife and the importance of Nigerian wildlife. Yes, really good to hear. So, uh, Chinelli, it's been wonderful speaking with you. So how, how can people follow you? How can people find you if they want to support you or get in contact? That's the best place. Okay, um, it's, so we currently, we, our, major, our major active platforms are um, Facebook, Instagram, and um, Twitter. So um, if you're on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, and even TikTok also, um, you, we, our handle is ringfingerswi. So you can, you can contact us there. Um, right now, we, we are still looking for, because of the whole Nigerian system, it's quite difficult to, it's not always easy to get support from outside, outside the country. Um, but um, if you send us a message, through one of our social media handles, we'll basically um, communicate on how uh, we can actually, how you can support. So you can adopt animals, adopt, we, we, we do have quite a lot of animals that, that need to be uh, adopted, to be taken care of. Um, I mean, your funds will really help us. We have a clinic, we um, are, are looking to have a wildlife clinic, we are looking to set up also to give them, uh, these animals, the better uh, first-hand um, care. And um, so you follow us on our social media handles, Green Fingers, that's then Green Fingers, W-I. Um, so that's basically the handle. Um, I'll send it to you, um, Jack. So that I'll just, put it all in the notes at the end. Then we are on LinkedIn also. So you can either find me, Chinidu uh, Mopo, or Green Fingers also is on LinkedIn so that you can also connect to us through there and share our work. Um, I mean, one of the most, the things I appreciate the most, and I'm sure, um, Jack, it would have been, maybe somebody may have shared um, something, um, may have shared it. And I think that's one of the best, one of the ways to, um, people can support if you share our work and put it out there and let people also know that these things, are, these are what we do here in Nigeria. And um, we'll definitely appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you for your time. It's been really wonderful speaking with you. I points, I points, thank you.